How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in. This week, we're going to be talking about the Bills-Texans playoff matchup, whether I believe Sam Reinhart should be the Sabres' second-line center. We go over some big four college hoops talk. And finally, I'm going to give some awards for the Bills throughout the season as far as Offensive Player of the Year, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, things of that nature. So hopping right into it, the Bills are back in the playoffs for the second time in three years. As a lot of you Bills fans already know, they take on the Houston Texans at 4.30 on Saturday. The Texans beat the Bills 20-13 last year in Houston. That was Josh Allen's game in which he got hurt. His first major injury in the NFL in his first year, it was elbow. And if you remember that game, Nate Peterman actually came in and gave the Bills the lead by throwing a touchdown to Zay Jones before ultimately throwing two interceptions, including a pick six, to lose them that game. Going into the game, both the Bills and the Texans are 10-6 and overall. The Texans won the AFC South, so they do have the home field advantage for the first round of the wild card. The Bills were the number five seed coming into the playoffs. They didn't really play any of their starters last week against the Jets. The Bills come in averaging 19.6 points per game. They're 24th overall in total offense and third overall in total defense. Meanwhile, the Texans come in averaging 23.6 points per game. They're 13th overall in total offense, but they're 28th overall in total defense. So definitely going to be a very good matchup. Um, I think Texans have a high-powered enough offense to go against the Buffalo Bills. I don't think that 13th overall total offense really um, reflects how good that team is. Will Fuller's missed some games. They rested Watson last week. Um, They've been banged up with some injuries and whatnot. And the Bills' defense has been strong all year. Texans defense is definitely susceptible, but the Bills offense has been very up and down all year. Hopefully it's clicking on all cylinders this week because I think the Texans defense is definitely one that Dable can take advantage of if he draws up the right game plan. I'm just going over some key players to this week, this game. Starting off with the Houston Texans, I think Will Fuller is a huge game changer for them. Just because he adds a whole different element to that offense. He's that deep threat. When he's not on the field, it allows defenses to pretty much just lock in on maintaining the run with Hyde and Johnson and then really just locking down and doubling DeAndre Hopkins, even though that doesn't always go well. Um, J.J. Watt is potentially returning um, from injury. They said if he does return, it's going to be a very limited basis, but just having him back, you know the Texans fans are going to be really into that and just gives a huge energizer boost to that entire team. And I think Bernardrick McKinney, the linebacker for them, is going to be a huge key just because he's going to have to do a lot of things against the Bills offense, especially against the tight ends of Croft and Knox. And there are probably going to be a few circumstances where Cole Beasley might end up being on him. I think Dable does a nice job of moving Beasley around to get that mismatch and give Allen that kind of underneath target. And then going into the key players for the Bills, I think Kevin Johnson is a big, big factor for the Bills this week, especially with Levi Wallace nursing a sprained ankle. They're not sure if he'll play or how much he'll play, whether he'll start or not. 
Um, especially if Will Fuller does end up playing, which it looks like he probably will. He's really going to need to be on top of this game. Shut him down. He's also a former Houston Texan first-round pick. So this is kind of a little bit of a revenge game for him. He wants to prove them wrong and show why he was worth that first-round pick. And he's done pretty good for the Bills so far this year, especially the last five, six weeks of the season when he was kind of splitting snaps with Wallace. When given the opportunity, I thought he's done a pretty good job. He came up with a few big plays, especially in the Patriots game a few weeks ago. I think Dawson Knox is another big factor, just because, as I mentioned before, he's going to have good matchups against most of the Texans linebackers. He's a huge body. He's shown the ability to make a lot of tough catches here. Um, he's made some big catches over the past few weeks. He pretty much made the game-changing play in that Patriots game to get the Bills back into it on that deep ball from Allen that got all the way down to the one. The big thing with Knox is he has issue of pretty much almost every week this year he has one to two big drops of just hitting him right in the hands wide open and he's not making the play and then usually he ends up rebounding the rest of the game but in a playoff game like this um, you can't have those kind of mistakes so hopefully Knox can have a mistake free day and come up with some big plays for Allen and finally I think Jerry Hughes is a big key to this game just because more than likely he's going to be going up against Laramie Tunsil which is a tough matchup for him. I think Hughes has had a down year by his standards. By no means has he been bad this year. However, I think a lot of Bills fans expected a lot more from him. He is getting up there in age, but he definitely um, is going to be fresh going into this game. And I think he knows he needs to have a big week for the Bills um, to get them to move on into the playoffs. Trent Murphy had a nice game last week. Ed Oliver and Jordan Phillips are continually blowing up the middle. Even Starla Tula has been getting better as well. So if Jerry Hughes can get some pressure, and then you have Murphy or Shaq Lawson, hopefully he's able to play on the other side. I think that's going to do wonders for the Bills. And I just want to go through those key players because I think everyone knows going into this matchup it's going to be very intriguing between Allen and Watson just because both are considered mobile quarterbacks and they're both able to run and pass the ball um, Watson's I think Watson's a little bit more of a threat than Josh Josh is just so big that when he runs he's able to kind of get those extra few yards because he's able to take more hits but I think Watson's is definitely a little more shifty and is more accurate throwing on the run than Allen is and then DeAndre Hopkins first Tredavious White I think is the matchup of the game um, Tredavious White did an outstanding job on him last year holding him to two catches for 27 yards and a touchdown. And the touchdown he did catch, Trey was all over him. It was just an unbelievable catch. I think Hopkins is easily the top three, if not number one, wide receiver in the NFL. So it's going to be big for them to lock him up. And I think Travis also knows that it's not just all on him, and he knows he has Poirier and Hyde over the top to help him out when needed. And also Edmonds and Milano were very quick at the linebacker position. So if he's using crossing routes and whatnot, I think those two are going to be key in helping get in the passing lane so they can't just get him the ball. But overall, I think it's going to be a very close game and a come down to the wire. I think if the Bills can establish the run and keep the offense on the field longer than they normally do the past few weeks, they've kind of struggled um, to maintain long drives. If they can do that, I think they're going to get in the game. They want to play kind of smash mouth. But it's definitely going to be hard to limit the Texans' offense to not score at all. 
But overall, I'm going to go with the Bills winning 23-16 to in Houston. And they will move on to the divisional round where they'll play either the Chiefs or the Ravens, depending on who wins the Titans or a Patriots game. Cough, cough, go Titans. But um, I think this is definitely a winnable game for Buffalo. And I think there's going to be a lot more Bills fans there than people expect. And I just think that it's actually good that the Bills are playing on the road. I know it would have been great um, if the Bills were able to beat the Patriots because the Dolphins ended up upsetting them last week that we could have had a home playoff game. But honestly, I think for this team, I think they're still a year away from being able to have that home playoff game and be ready for it. This year, if you look at the Bills' wins and losses, three of their losses have come at home against really good teams and kind of big games. We saw what happened to Josh in the first game versus the Patriots, probably the biggest game of his career at that point in time. Um, He threw four interceptions, ended up getting hurt, and again, we ended up only losing by six points, but still. Um, And then the Eagles game, another one we kind of let get away. We pretty much got dominated on both sides of the ball in that game. And then the Ravens game, another game that we kind of got outplayed. I know we ended up only losing by um, seven, but I think the Ravens honestly outplayed us for a good chunk of that game. But the Bills have done really good on the road this year. They're 6-2 and two on the road. Um, I think this team embraces that road mentality and being the underdog. Not to mention Josh has played very well in dome games over the past two years of his career. You look at the Vikings and Cowboys games specifically and how dominant he was in those games. And then even last year in the Texans game, he was really starting to get it going in that second half and was having a pretty good game until he got hurt on that ball that he threw to Kelvin Benjamin where he got his elbow smacked. But, um, yeah, I think this is a very good chance the Bills can finally get that first playoff win since uh, 95 and get the second round and get a lot of Bills Mafia down to wherever they're going to be playing next. Um, so moving on to Sam Reinhart and the Buffalo Sabres. Um, Sabres has gotten hit with the injury broke quite a bit this year. Um, I think a lot of fans like myself are just giving up a lot of hope on the Sabres. They've been up and down all year, but they're back into a big downspin. They've lost six of their last seven. They're currently four points back of the third place in the Atlantic for a playoff spot. And then they're seven points back of the wild card spot um, to Carolina. Just been a very up and down year. Pretty much whenever Eichel doesn't score, this team doesn't win, which is very sad because Jack Eichel is just such a great talent. He's got to select to do another all-star game. But I just think it's time to move Sam Reinhardt down to the second line um, to play center. He's shown in the past that when Eichel was out or when he was on a line by himself that he's still able to contribute and carry a line. Obviously, it's not as dominating as it is when he plays on the top line with either Eichel and Olofsson or Eichel and Skinner, but um, Reinhardt still has the ability to do that on second line. And to me, if you're Buffalo, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to be doing it anyway. He's in a contract year um, going forward it's pretty obvious that the Sabres' one-line tactic isn't going to work, so you want to be able to see if Reinhardt's going to be able to do that throughout the course of a season. And it really stinks with Jeff Skinner going out because I honestly thought that maybe you could put Eichel and Skinner back together and then just throw whoever it may be between like Shiri, VC, or whoever else on the top line just because those two are so good together. And then in your second line, you could have Reinhardt centering it with 
Olofsson and Johansson or even Tage Thompson. Um, but right now, personally, the lines I think that should be happening, and it's kind of tough because um, Skinner and Thompson are out right now, so it's hard to make these lineups. But right now, if I was a Sabres, the top line for me would be Olofsson, Eichel, and Shiri. Shiri's shown in the past with flashes that when he plays with Eichel, they have good chemistry. I mean, pretty much whoever you put with Eichel, he's going to be able to control the game enough and get his teammates involved. I think the second line should have Reinhardt centering with Johansson on his left. And right now, as much as I don't like it, but I think Jimmy VC would have to play on his right. We just really don't have a lot of depth. I think when Tage Thompson's healthy, he would be the guy that slots into that spot. Um, third line, I'd have Asplund centering with Lazar on his left and Rodriguez on his right. And then the fourth line would be the consistent log line all year of Larson, Gergensons, and Oposo. On defense, I think it should be Darlene paired with Okiaru, McCabe paired with Montour, and then Rasmus Sustelainen paired with Lawrence Pilot. I think it's very much overdue that Lawrence Pilot is up on this team. He's shown you can play in the NHL. I don't understand why he hasn't been called up yet. He's played 26 games this year in Rochester. Four goals, 15 assists for 19 points, and he's a plus 10. I don't understand how he's not up. He's definitely going to give this team an offensive jolt, and he's very solid defensively in his own zone. Even a guy like Gilmore I'd rather have up than McCabe playing. Right now, I don't want Scandella in the lineup. I don't want Bogosian in the lineup. I really don't want McCabe in the lineup either, but... Um, the Sabres are just in a tough spot. No one in their right mind in the NHL is going to trade with Jason Botterill right now with Skinner going out for at least four weeks. Um, every other NHL team knows the Sabres are desperate or going to have to, are going to seek more in a trade than what it's probably worth because he knows that Botterill's in a pinch. He's on hot seat pretty much for his job. But I just think adding Pilot up here at least does something a little bit on the defensive end. And hopefully the Sabres can start putting some wins together here because it's been a really long season. And if the Sabres don't make a strong playoff push and barely miss or make the playoffs, um, I think it's going to be a rough offseason for Botterill. But I think it starts with Kruger finally realizing that he can't just have Reinhardt, Eichel, and Olsson all on the top line. He did it last game. Um, it didn't work very well just because he had Larson centering Reinhardt and Johansson, which makes no sense to me. Because your second and third best centers on your team are Reinhardt and Johansson. And it shouldn't be both of them on the wing. It should be both at center or one on the wing and one at center. So, um, getting into some college hoops talk. Just kind of going over the big four. Skip some general updates. Um, Canisius is 5-7 at seven on the year. 3-0 at home. 1-6 on the road. Um, that obviously has to get cleaned up. Or else they're going to be in for a long season. They lost a heartbreaker. In their first MAC game against Siena, they pretty much led for about 35 minutes of that game um, before Siena hit a game-winning three-pointer with about nine seconds left. And then yesterday, they actually played a very, very good game against a solid pit team from the ACC. They only lost by eight in a game that they were pretty much in for a good chunk of that. They got it down to two at multiple points, just never were able to take that lead. Um, they did have 20 less or 20 more foul calls, excuse me, than Pitt did, so that's kind of a game changer as well, but Majesty Brandon has really shined for them, 
He scored 30 against Siena off the bench and then 20 versus Pitt off the bench. Um, Malik Johnson continues to be outstanding. I think he definitely needs to be in a conversation for not only first-team All-Mac, but for Mac Player of the Year conversation. Niagara's off to a 2-9 and nine start. Um, they've just been really bad all year. I thought Niagara was going to actually be a pretty good team, but I think after the B-line lost, um, I think the program as a whole kind of took a hit. They lost by almost 60 to Rutgers earlier in the year. Um, James Towns pretty much remains their only bright spot, spot, excuse me, averaging 15 points per game. They did put a couple back-to-back wins together a few weeks ago, uh, one against a decent Colgate team, but since they just haven't been able to put anything together, and I see them continuing to struggle for the rest of the year. Um, St. Bonaventure has really turned it on. They're 8-5. and five. After their loss at Key Bank Center to Canisius, they went on a seven-game winning streak. Before that ended yesterday, actually, they lost to Buffalo in Buffalo. Um, Kyle Lofton's done a really good job of leading that team. Um, but definitely a big bounce back for St. Bonaventure, who after that Canish game, a lot of teams were, or excuse me, a lot of fans were disappointed in, in how they were playing. But they just have a really good coaching staff, and he was able to turn them around. And UB's 9-4. and four. They've kind of had an up-and-down year. They've lost some games to some opponents I don't think they probably should have. But they have won three straight, ironically, against all the big four teams. Um, they beat Niagara, Canisius, and Bonaventure. Um, they had a solid win on the road at DePaul, which was their first home loss on the season before they lost Seton Hall yesterday. And they're definitely starting to become more consistent behind Javon Graves um, and Deion Jordan. Um, those two guys have really carried the program so far. Um, and I think it's just nice that those two guys ended up staying even after Nate Oates left. Um, Graves definitely has a chance to be a player of the year in that conference. But overall, I think it's pretty much um, where most people would have expected these big four teams to be with UB leading the way. Bonaventure right behind, followed by Canisius and Niagara. Um, Canisius beating Bonaventure was definitely a nice win for them, but... I think Bonaventure still is the more talented team overall. But I think three of the four programs are in a better direction than some of the fans probably thought, especially with O's leaving at UB. I think they're still maintaining um, their number one spot in the MAC. Um, in the A-10, St. Bonaventure is really doing a good job up there again. And I think Canisius actually can be a lot higher in the Metro Conference uh, standings than most people are going to think. And then... Niagara is kind of just in a hole right now, and hopefully they'll be able to get it um, together just for the sake of big four hoops. Um, finally, we're going to get in some Bills awards, so I'm going to go through my Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Biggest Surprise, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved, and finally MVP. Um, so starting off with Offensive Player of the Year, I went with John Brown. Um, big offseason addition for Brandon Bean. I think a lot of people still don't consider John Brown a true wide receiver one. Um, I think a big reason for that is just his height. Um, he's not going to be one that can go out and outbody guys for um, jump balls and whatnot, which is kind of a big thing for a big wide receiver one to do. But for the Bills this year, I think he did exactly what he needed to to be a wide receiver one. 72 catches for over 1,000 yards. And six touchdowns. 
um, really helped the Bills offensively compared to last year's receiving core. Um, him and Cole Beasley did wonders for this team. It really came down between Brown and Allen for offense play of the year, but I gave the nod to John Brown just because of the impact he made um, coming into a team for the first time and being able to make that big of an impact and helping out Allen in his second year. Uh, defensive player of the year was pretty easy. Tredavious White, 58 tackles, 1 sack, 17 pass deflections, 6 interceptions, and 2 forced fumbles. And he's the only cornerback since 2006 in the Pro Football Focus um, rankings to lead the NFL in interceptions without giving up a single touchdown. Um, I think it's a shame that he's not mentioned for Defensive Player of the Year as a whole in the NFL. Um, some people are giving him credit, but a lot of people are looking at Stephon Gilmore, even though Trey has clearly had um, a better season. For Rookie of the Year, I gave it to Devin Singletary. Um, I honestly think he could have had 1,000 yards rushing had he not missed some of those games with the hamstring injury. And then the first part of the season, they were trying to work him in behind Frank Gore before really giving him the full workload like they do now. He had 775 total yards, two touchdowns, um, and two touchdowns also receiving. He also averaged 5.1 yards per carry, so he's going to be a big part of this offense going forward, especially in the playoffs as well. You see when he gets the ball more off in the not on offense that our offense is clicking and doing a lot better than when he's not involved. My most improved player uh, was Deion Dawkins. He had a really down year last year, but I think he's done an excellent job this year. I think he's allowed, um, I believe it's top eight and fewest sacks allowed this year. Um, he caught a touchdown against the Patriots. He's done a nice job being a captain this year, really embracing that role, embracing Buffalo as a city as a whole, and just doing a nice job anchoring a pretty much all revamped offensive line. Um, and I think he's just done a nice job considering all the other pieces that have moved on since he's gotten here. And um, I just personally thought he was the most improved. I thought Matt Milano was another one that was also very improved. Same with Edmonds. But I thought Dawkins overall was the most improved. Um, my biggest surprise this year was Dawson Knox. Um, drafting him in the third round, I thought he was just going to kind of be a role guy. But as we've seen throughout the season, he's been taking a majority of the snaps at tight end. Um, and just being thrust into that starting role, especially when Croft went out with that injury. And Lee Smith's really not a receiving tight end. He's just there to kind of block. Um, Knox has made a lot of big plays for the Bills. Uh, some game-changing plays, including the game against Cincinnati, the Patriots, um, even the Giants game. He had a key block in that for Singletary's touchdown. Um, he does have a little bit of a drop issue, but overall as a rookie, um, I've been really impressed and surprised by how well he's done. And then MVP was pretty tough because I think Tredavious White could obviously be argued for this, but um, I went ahead and gave it to Josh Allen just because of all the criticism, he's really taken a lot of steps in his second year. 3,089 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, Another 510 rushing and 9 rushing touchdowns. So 29 total touchdowns. He only had 9 interceptions. He had 2 fumbles that were taken away. So um, he really did a nice job after that Patriots game of 
not turning the ball over. And even down the stretch when he has had turnovers, a lot of them have been going off receivers' hands or stuff that really wasn't is in control. Um, and I just think Josh done a nice job as a leader. And also lately of not trying to do too much. He's been better at sliding, um, throwing the ball away, and not forcing passes as much as he has. And just taking that big step in year two and leading the Bills to a playoff in 10-6 overall as a second-year quarterback I think is really impressive. And I think it deserves him being um, team MVP this year. So, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Hopefully the Bills can get this win uh, next Saturday against the Texans. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about just the NFL playoffs in general just because I'm going to want to talk about the Bills, but we'll talk about the rest of the NFL playoffs as well. Talk about the NBA Rookie of the Year race, um, NHL MVP race, and then finally we're talking about the MLB offseason and just some of the moves that have happened so far, but that's going to do it. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode, and I hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. Go Bills, and I hope to have you all tune in next week. Thanks, everyone.